This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to episode number three of Chicago Shuffle Podcast, the official Chicago Bears podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez, and before we get started with tonight's show, I just want to thank you guys once again for an incredible response through our first two episodes here. All the downloads, the listens, the plays, it's just been fantastic, and I can't thank you guys enough. And to stay on top of our latest episodes, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribe to the show. And obviously, do us a favor and and head over to iTunes and give us a a decent rating and, and drop a review on there so we know what you guys like with the show what we could do better, and even we can have some conversation over there in the comments section. If you have some Bears-related questions or just some thoughts on things that we talk about here, drop them in the iTunes reviews section, and I make sure I I check them all out. And if there's anything we could do to enhance your Bears listening experience, you could be sure we're going to do that. And to continue Bears conversation over on Twitter, you could throw me a follow at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y. And check out all the work we do over at BearsWire.com. I have the Pleasure of serving as that site's managing editor, and and we're covering the Bears from every angle, every day, seven days a week, so you can get your Bears fix over at BearsWire.com. And what we're going to do today, guys and gals, Bears fans across this wonderful country, and honestly, throughout the globe, we have listeners throughout the world at this point, which is fantastic. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to go through some of the, I don't want to say superlatives in terms of bears on this roster, because some of this stuff may not be necessarily a compliment, but we're going to go through some bears players. We're going to talk about the most overrated player, underrated, a key new addition this year, a player who could surprise a player that might take a leap in 2019 and who's facing a prove it year. This is actually something that's been pretty cool and circulating throughout Twitter. And I thought it would be pretty neat to bring it here to the podcast and have that conversation. I'm going to bring in my good buddy in a few minutes, Lauren Cox. He joined us on episode number two. You guys loved what he brought to the table. So I figured why not go back to back with him? You could follow him over on Twitter at Cox Sports One. He's killing it with Bears work over at BearsWire.com. He's doing Bears work at NBC Sports Chicago. So you know if he's talking Bears, you got to give it a listen. And he's also doing his analytics over at Pro Football Focus. So, Lauren, welcome back to Chicago Shuffle. What is your take? I mean, we got a couple things to talk about before we get into uh, the overrated, underrated, and all that jazz. But let's talk about a couple of uh, storylines that emerged this week that at this time of year, any bear story is worth talking about. But what about this kicker? We have a kicker trade. Ryan Pace does it again. He, He solves the kicker dilemma through a trade with the Raiders. What do you think of the new guy that the Bears brought in, Pinheros, the the former Florida standout star, the guy who apparently can kick an 81-yard field goal? What's your thoughts? Have the Bears solved the kicker problem in the most unexpected of ways? Well, I don't know if I'm ready to declare it solved in May, but it's always encouraging to see Ryan Pace, you know, explore all his different options from a kicking standpoint. And he's kind of talked about that off that all off season. And, and for the most part, the kickers they've brought in have been competition based. You know, I think we talked about it on the last podcast. Chris Blewett wins the competition. Redford Jones wins the competition. Elliot Fry wins the competition at their workout and then bring them all in that way. But Eddie Pinero here from the outside is sort of this, you know, this this fresh blood, this guy that you know the team maybe hasn't seen a ton up close, but obviously saw enough, you know, on tape from last preseason and during his college career at Florida to want to bring him in. And it doesn't seem like confidence is an issue for this guy or, you know, pressure in any kind of situation. I mean, he he wore Tim Tebow's number at Florida right after Tim Tebow left. He was not afraid to go take that number, take the pressure off of that, and really hit some big kicks at Florida. So 
I, I mean, I think he comes in and it seems to me to be the the clear favorite at this point to win the kicking job, but I, I'm not ready to hand anybody anything in the middle of May. I mean, if he doesn't win the kicking job, this seems just like another swing, you know, that that blind leap of faith and just assuming that you're going to be able to find a starting quality kicker in the NFL by by basically tapping into a bunch of I don't want to call these guys no names because that is somewhat disrespectful for their at least their collegiate resumes. But guys who, as we talked about on episode number two, haven't proven the, the the ability to actually get it done on an NFL field. So while, you know, there is reason to feel excited about Eddie Pinheiro and there is reason to say that, hey, look, the guy has the traits and he, I guess, uh, showcased his powerful leg at kicking camps and whatnot and, and, and has the makeup, the physical makeup to actually be able to potentially stick around as a long-term kicker. I mean, until you see it, I guess it, you, you can't believe it until you see it. And I just think Bears fans have to get ready for a training camp and a preseason with a ragtag collection of of basically misfits at the position who you never know could end up becoming fan favorites if if a guy who works his way onto the roster works his way onto into the regular season roster, the actual starting position, and then starts making some big kicks. That guy's going to become an instant fan favorite because of the underdog story. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be great to monitor. I just hope it doesn't come back to bite this team when it matters most with with a game-deciding kick. I mean, we saw how a big-ticket free agent prize, Cody Parkey, who was supposed to be the answer, supposed to be the solution for the next several years, he sent the Bears home early, and and you would think that if if he can't do it, a guy who's been there and has, at least has had some moderate success, I mean, are we really going to be able to replace him and, and and it's not just him, but fill a void that is so is going to be so heavily scrutinized by the Chicago media and fans. I mean, you need a kicker who has ice running through his veins to be able to handle the 2019 season specifically in Chicago. And it's not just about making a kick. It's it's handling everything else that comes along with this position this season. Are we going to be able to find that guy? in the collection of kickers who still remain on this roster right now, including the young guy that they traded for. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Just like we're going to have to wait and see how some of these next guys perform this year, Lauren. We're going to start with our run-through, overrated, underrated, etc., with, of course, the overrated category. This is a category that's sure to rile up some Bears fans because no matter what name we choose here, it's going gonna, it's gonna to offend at least a collection or segment of the fan base because the player I'm going to bring up is, is a fan favorite, a universal fan favorite. But, I mean, if we're being honest with our assessment of this roster and we're being honest with the level of play at every position, including this one, to say that this player is overrated, I think is a fair statement. And that's Kyle Long. Kyle Long was a former first round pick who I actually have a little bit of a history with. If you guys have dated back to, if you date back to the 2014 Twitterverse when I was uh, running a draft website called firstroundgrade.com, tip of 40 to its memory, I wrote up a scouting report on Kyle Long, graded the draft pick when the Bears selected him in the first round. As, as an utter and absolute disaster selection because I thought Kyle Long couldn't play tackle in the NFL. And to be a top 20 pick like he was, I thought he had to have value at that position. He couldn't play that position. I think that's proven to be true now entering the 2019 season. And I graded him out as an average starting guard that I thought he would top out as an average starting guard in the NFL. But of course, his rookie season, he comes out like gangbusters and looks like the next coming of a Hall of Fame type beast on the interior, especially in a city that loves those types of mauling players. And it might have been, what was it, Lauren, 2016, I think? It was the first year I took over Bears Wire. Uh, one morning I wake up and there is a, a a the most unbelievable amount of mentions in terms of comments, likes, and what have you that I had ever had in my history of being on Twitter. And I couldn't understand what was this from? Why Why were all these people in subtly interacting with me on Twitter? And it was because Kyle Long screenshotted the scouting report that I wrote about him and thanked me for the motivation, essentially, you know, tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic comment, as if I didn't know what I was talking about. 
thanked me for the motivation for him to essentially become the all pro pro bowler that he was at that point in his career. And I found it interesting because now here we are in 2019 and, you know, scouting reports and assessments, evaluations of players need several seasons to simmer and be eventually evolve into was the scouting report correct, incorrect? Was it on the money? Was it way off the mark? I'm not going to pat myself on the back here, Lauren, but Kyle Long has ultimately become an average, if not slightly above average starting guard. Now, there are reasons for this. He's a player who has been victimized by a series of injuries over the last several seasons, and I think we have been robbed of the best of Kyle Long because of the severity of the injuries that he suffered in in successive years. I don't think we'll ever really see what he could have been. But at the end of the day, he is what he is, and I think that is an overhyped starting guard. He's a good starting guard in the NFL, but I don't think he's irreplaceable. And I think his restructured contract could ultimately have put the writing on the wall of in terms of 2019, maybe being his final season in Chicago. So while Kyle Long has the mystique of this pro bowler, all pro dominant type of player, I think that's that's overrating what he actually is, which is an above average starting guard in this league. Yeah, and I think. You know, it's a little bit easy when you pick one of the older guys on the team with injury problems to call the overrated player. But I, I it's well, not hey, wrong. listen, I don't. I, I think he's overrated going into 2019. I think he was overrated going into 2018, and I think he was overrated going into 2017. So this is not necessarily a narrative that's changed around Kyle Long. I look at this roster, and when you look from top to bottom about players who you could argue are overrated, and I know who you're going to bring up here, and you better have some uh, good body armor on because you're going to get some some vicious responses to this. But I, I, I don't know if you can argue that there is any player who's more overrated in terms of what the national narrative is around him than Kyle Long, even if he's one of the older guys, even if he's a little bit injury played. I just think that I think that tag fits for him. Yeah, and it it absolutely does fit for him. I, I'm not going to disagree there. He's a probably maybe the the top choice if we're being totally honest here. But I, I think there are some other pretty strong candidates on this team. And, and when you start to get in this conversation, like you said, you can step on some toes pretty easily and, and get the the pitchforks and, and torches coming out for you. So I'll, I'll I'll skip perhaps the the most controversial name, and I'll, I'll go with a guy who. Is, is I think coming on a, a big year, a, a big contract. Well, it was going to be a contract year, a guy we talked about on the last podcast, Leonard Floyd. I, again, saying that someone is overrated is not the same as saying that they are bad or not good you know, right? or not valuable to the team. But I, I think there's some feeling that Leonard Floyd is here and has proven himself as an outside linebacker and uh, a building block of the future of this Bears defense. And I just don't think that's true at this point. And, you know, some of that's been for similar reasons to Kyle Long in terms of injuries, not allowing this player to be on the field for 16 games or when he is on the field for 16 games this season for the first time, he's playing the first half of the season with a club on his hand and really unable to produce at the same level or, or at the uh, elevated level that you want to see from a young player entering year three of his career. I, I think the stat that really hammers at home for me is looking at his pressures each year from pro football focus. He's had the same 36 pressures in each of his three seasons, but his pass rushing snaps each year have gone up and substantially in 2018 up to 443, almost double what he had played in his rookie year, but still producing as a pass rusher the same amount of pressure. So he's having less effective pass rushing snaps, needing more opportunities to create the same amount of pressure. So he, he's not living up to that top 10 billing as a pass rusher. He's getting better and better in run defense. And I give him a lot of credit for improving in that area. I, I think coverage as well. He's looking more natural in, but you, you trade up for this guy in the 2016 draft because you want him to be your premier pass rusher. And that's what Ryan Pace talked about with him after the draft and really seeing this dynamic edge rushing player. And up to this point, we just haven't seen enough of it from Leonard Floyd. And I, I think overall, that just leaves him a little bit on the overrated side. I, I, I could not agree more. And to be quite honest, I think Leonard Floyd is going to continue teetering closer and closer to a bust. I mean, I, I don't think... We can take him outside out of that bust bucket simply because he's a starter and 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 he's a decent starter at that. If you have a if Leonard Floyd was drafted 29th, 30th, 31st overall, 
he wouldn't be considered a bust because at that point in the first round, you're not expecting to hit a grand slam. You're expecting to get a guy who's going to start for your roster for the next five to seven years. And if there's health and and production, maybe longer than that. And I think Leonard Floyd is, is trending toward a late first round pick type of player who was way overdrafted by Ryan Pace in 2000 and what was it? 16. Uh, he way overdrafted. And, you know, if he's not going to have the kind of, of, of impact, like for example, a Bradley Chubb had last year playing opposite Von Miller as a rookie, he had 12 sacks. You could see what a guy with pass rushing talent can do when he's playing opposite of an elite pass rusher. We didn't see that with Leonard Floyd. And if you can't do it with Cleo Mack on the other side, like, and I think we touched on this in our last show too. I don't think it's ever going to happen. So, Leonard Floyd, you know, he average player, decent starter, but clearly not top 10 value. Moving on now, we're going to go to the other side of the coin, Some a positive discussion. We're going to talk about guys that we think are underrated with the Chicago Bears. And I don't think you can look anywhere else other than Charles Leno, the starting left tackle for this roster, for this team. Charles Leno was a seventh round pick out of Boise State who has suddenly evolved into arguably the most irreplaceable offensive lineman on this team. And he's probably going to hold that title. He's going to sit in that proverbial iron throne on the offensive line for a while. And he has a contract, Ryan Pace being a smart general manager, the smart general manager that he is, signed him to an extension maybe a year before Leno really could even realize his own value as a starting left tackle in this league. He has quickly, in my opinion, become one of the better starting left tackles in the game, a true left tackle, a good athlete, a very good in pass protection, good enough as a run blocker. And in this league where it's hard to find a left tackle with a pulse, let alone a left tackle that you can literally rely on every single week, like the Bears have become, uh, have come a- become able to with Leno, He is the most underrated and now one of the most critically important players on this team, considering Matt Nagy's offense, what he wants to do, the the focus on the passing game, the, the critical, critical development of Mitchell Trubisky. You need a strong, reliable left tackle who you can count on week in and week out. And for Charles Leno to become that guy from where his career started as a draft pick that in often, oftentimes is a is a practice squad guy, if not, if they even make it the roster. If they don't make the roster, there may be a practice squad guy, or they end up getting cut in year one, year two. Leno has really done himself well here in Chicago, and he's going to be around for a long time. And for some reason, I don't feel like he gets the respect nationally that he deserves as one of the game's better left tackles. Yeah, I think he might be the player on the roster that's most taken for granted. That you know, If you took this player out of the lineup – you would notice him missing more, I think, than any other player on this roster. Like you said, probably the most valuable player on this offensive line as well. And he's been doing this for a couple of years now, and I'm kind of waiting for the narrative to switch a little bit on him. But he's just going to keep playing well and, and being a great value for the Bears in the trenches. And and that's kind of where I want to stay for my most underrated player on this roster. It is tough because, and I think Bears fans are pretty smart and, you know, the Bears media is pretty smart and and pretty in tune with this team. So uh, most players are generally, I think, pretty well rated. You know, you don't get a lot of guys that fly too far under the radar, but a guy like Bilal Nichols last year kind of flew under the radar for the whole NFL coming out of Delaware, fifth round pick You know, in the defensive line. You don't see necessarily a ton of guys make big impacts in the first year in the defensive line, especially coming from a small school. But Bilal Nichols was... I arguably the Bears' most impressive draft pick last year in terms of what they were able to produce given you know the situations that they were in. Obviously, Roquan Smith very impressive. Anthony Miller did a lot given you know his situation, but for a fifth round pick from Delaware, Bilal Nichols was phenomenal. And even when you take away that that condition there, not even just for a fifth round pick from Delaware, but for any rookie defensive lineman, he had just a, an all around strong season. I mean, he was able to get after the passer and really surpassed Jonathan Bullard in one year and seems to be surpassing Roy Robertson Harris as well, which 
I guess could say a little bit more about Bullard than it does about Bilal Nichols, but he clearly was the top beneficiary of playing with Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman and, and putting him in those situations. You saw him able to get after the pat, after the quarterback and, and win those one-on-ones, but really hold his own in run defense. I think that was where he started to really take after Akeem Hicks, and Hicks had talked about taking him under his wing, and I think multiple times Akeem Hicks referred to Nichols as my rookie. You know, that's my rookie right there. So I, I think those two are really tight and developing something special here that can give them a, a nice that that nice added defensive lineman that third person with Hicks and, and Goldman that seems to have been elusive really for the last three or four seasons going through different guys including Jonathan Bullard who kind of falls to the wayside here is I, and I think Nichols is going to step into an even bigger role and really establish himself as that third starter even though you know they only play two defensive linemen and Nichols so starter is kind of a loose word there but clearly I think Nichols is still continuing to go on his way up. You know, Lauren, this this leads us into a, a good segue here when we talk about what's underrated, right? What's underrated a lot in life, especially if you're a small business owner or you have, you know, you do some online sales and, and ship products is finding a carrier who you can rely on. And when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming. It's expensive. There's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? It's like a general manager in the draft. How do you know you're making the the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, believe it or not, even your own cell phone. And right now, Chicago Shuffle listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code the promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. You can't beat that, guys. ShipStation works with all of your all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And Lauren, now that that's out of the way... We get back into the next category of Bears superlatives, and that is the key new addition in 2019. There's a lot of guys we could choose from. There's a few few rookies that were drafted added to this roster. There were some free agents added. And I'm going to stick with the free agency side of the coin here. And this name might come as a surprise as to who I think could be a key new addition to this roster, especially after the Bears drafted running back David Montgomery in the third round, and he's getting all the attention and hype, and justifiably so. I think Mike Davis is the key new addition, and here's why. For the Bears offense to really click this year, they need to have that well-rounded running game, a running back who can do a little more than we saw from Jordan Howard last year under Matt Nagy. Mike Davis is a player I loved coming out of South Carolina. I think he just has been a product of some bad situations in terms of the roster, the you know uh, veterans in front of him. Not giving, not a clear path to playing time, some injuries. He hasn't been the healthiest guy since he came into the league. But this dude could flat out play. And he may not end up the starter. He might end up behind David Montgomery. He might end up the second back all year long. But having him on the roster to be able to be almost like that security blanket if David Montgomery, the learning curve is a little steeper than we're expecting, if Montgomery gets banged up, if Montgomery's just flat out not that effective. Having a veteran like Mike Davis, who I think the arrow is pointing up in his career, this guy, if David Montgomery wasn't drafted by the Bears, Mike Davis would be a sleeper 1,200-yard candidate. I think Mike Davis could be a really, really interesting player, even if it's just as a role player, as a second back off the bench. Mike Davis is going to be a key to this offense really clicking on all cylinders in 2019. Yeah, Mike Davis was a guy I considered for a few different categories in here. I think you could call him underrated. I think you could say he's a a good surprise in here. So key new addition, I think, is definitely a strong fit for him. I think 
people are even overlooking just how much he can contribute as a receiver, you know, in sort of that dual threat role in the backfield, really just a, a strong overall fit with the Bears. So I, I definitely see what you're working with there, but I'm going to take the word key in this key new addition uh, superlative title here. I'm going to take the word key in the other direction, not necessarily, you know, which guy I think is, is going to make all the difference in the world, but needs to have a big impact and needs to be that addition that lives up to the expectations that his contract was. And that's Buster Screen, the slot cornerback, formerly the New York Jets. He's coming in to replace Bryce Callahan, and he's not going to be Bryce Callahan. I mean, first and foremost, if you try and expect him to produce at the level Callahan did in the slot, you're going to be disappointed. So, you know, I think you have to come in with reasonable expectations, but I really wasn't a fan of what he had done in the past in New York and with the Browns. I think there was a lot of inconsistency in his game. You know, he's, he's physical and he's able to come up and tackle, but sometimes you just get these lapses on the field for whatever reason. It, it just doesn't all click for Buster screen. And it seems to usually be different things. It's not just, you know, a lack of speed or, or poor hand technique, but sometimes he can get caught up in, in overthinking a little bit with different route concepts and and sometimes, you know, misjudging the ball in the air and a, a lot of different little things where it never quite comes together. And I'm concerned that all of a sudden you have a, a bigger position of weakness in the secondary that, you know, you look across the board, you feel pretty good about almost the 10 other starters in this defense. And certainly when you talk about your, your seven in coverage on a, on a typical play, the opposing quarterback is going to target your weak link. And I'm not seeing too many weak links with Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Prince Mukamara, haha, Clinton Dix. When you got your linebackers underneath and that's sort of where you saw the bears defense get attacked quite a bit more last season because the, the rest of the secondary was so strong. But I think when you start to have a potential deficiency in that slot position, you know, that concerns me as a place where this Bears defense has gotten worse from last season. And, and so, I, you know, I think they need Buster Screen to step up and be a big addition. They have Sherrick McManus as sort of a safety net fallback option there, but they invested a three-year deal in Buster Screen. And pretty much the first two years of that are guaranteed. So, that you know, even if things go wrong this year, they're still really on the hook for him next year. I, I think he has the red flags to be some of the similar to some of the mistakes Ryan Pace has made in free agency in the past, but certainly going to give him every opportunity to prove himself. And, you know, maybe playing in this bears defense can be the missing link for him to play a little bit more freely, a little bit more confidently and ultimately shore up some of those inconsistency issues, knowing he has that pass rush in front of him and that strong secondary around him. He's definitely going to be a key. And and I, and I think that's a good choice by you because Ultimately, this Bears defense has very few weaknesses, very few holes that you can say you're necessarily worried or concerned about. That nickel corner, that slot corner, I think that's the one spot that if there's anywhere that the Bears could be taken advantage of or you know, could give up that key third down and nine conversion, those, those very frustrating moments that Bears teams of the past seem to, vol- to fall victim to, that's where it would come from. So if, if screen doesn't have the kind of consistent play from that position that the Bears have received over the last couple of years, you know that, that could become an Achilles heel uh, for this club moving forward through 2019, and especially because he was given the kind of contract, even though it wasn't a top dollar or premium payday, it still was the kind of commitment to a, to a, to a cornerback that suggests he's going to be around for the next couple of seasons, and the Bears are going to probably ride or die with him unless one of these rookies like a Duke Shelley or someone like that can can elevate their play and, and and knock him off of a starting job and even if they do it's not the end of the world I mean having depth at the position his value still will be there even if he's a depth player but he's going to give be given the first crack at a starting job right out of the gate and and he's got to produce otherwise the defense could end up suffering even if it's just a little bit and with a, with a club like we have right now with potential Super Bowl aspirations, you don't want to have any kind of rusty link in the chain that could ultimately snap what is setting up to be a a pretty special season. And when you talk about guys that could be setting up to have a special season or players who could surprise, which is the next category we're going to focus on, I want to go, I want to look at wide receiver. And I know that this player is getting lost in the shuffle after being one of the most promising rookies on the team last season. And that's Javon Wims, the seventh rounder from Georgia in 2018. His college teammate, Riley Ridley, 
is kind of taking the attention away from him as the fourth round pick and and a guy that a lot of Bears fans and analysts are assuming will will ultimately end up ahead of Wims on the depth chart. I don't necessarily agree, Lauren. I don't know if I agree. I like the Riley Ridley pick. I like the Riley Ridley player, but I think Javon Wims has a more dynamic skill set. And we saw last year in the preseason especially that Javon Wims could be I'm not going to say he is, but he has some baseline traits that are very similar, if not eerily similar, to Brandon Marshall. And if he is nurtured and developed properly, and he's not suddenly cast aside because of Riley Ridley's, you know, as, as what's being what's being pegged as this great value pick. And when you have a guy who's coming in with that kind of narrative, it's almost you almost get the feeling that he's going to be forced into a role. Um, that maybe Wims really should get the first crack at. Now, where he'll line up, where Ridley will line up, where Anthony Miller will line up, that's all going to obviously determine who gets the playing time uh, coming out of training camp. But Javon Wims is a player that I think has legitimate, legitimate upside as not just a starting receiver, but a potential go-to guy in this league if he continues to show and develop what in, in a way that it looked like he was last year. I mean, you don't you don't have the kind of production, even in the preseason, that Javon Wims had unless you could play in this league. And Javon Wims isn't just a fluky guy who is, you know, six foot, 195, and he was making plays against third stringers. He has the physical traits, the size, enough speed, the catch radius, the hands, the playmaking after the catch, where he could be a, a legitimate weapon in 2019 if the path is cleared for playing time for him. So I think Javon Wims is the kind of guy who's going to be hungry. He's going to look at the Riley Ridley pick potentially as offensive, and he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. And I like Javon Wims as a player who's going to say, look, I'm too good to keep on the sideline in 2019. You got a taste of what I can do in preseason last year, limited action in the regular season. I'm too good to keep inactive or to keep on the sideline. I think he's going to be a big red zone threat and a guy who's going to make plays for this team in 2019. Yeah, I I agree that Wims, he's got all the talent offensively that it deserves more opportunities on that side of the ball. But I I question whether or not he's going to get those. And particularly when it comes to training camp and trying to figure out who's going to be the, you know, the fourth, fifth and sixth wide receivers on this team. You know, Wims isn't a guy that played a lot of special teams last year. In fact, it didn't until week 17 in the regular season, despite being on the active roster for different portions there. So I think it's it's more goes, and I, I know you know this, more goes into these decisions at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart than just, you know, what you can do offensively and, you know, a little bit less invested in him than Riley Ridley. And another guy on this depth chart that I would have as my could surprise player is Cordero Patterson. And he's interesting because I don't know if you count him in the wide receiver depth chart number per se, you know, maybe he could sort of be your seventh wide receiver slash fourth running back and kind of be a little bit of a hybrid in those two positions and not really necessarily quote unquote count toward, you know, how many players at one spot you're going to keep because he is going to do a little bit of everything. And I think the main thing that jumps out to me is just how much the Chicago Bears invested in him. I mean, they did seem to make it um, somewhat of a priority. It wasn't like the first day of free agency or anything like that, but at some point they came out and made a pretty aggressive offer at Cordero Patterson, paid him, uh, I think, about $5 million a year for two years. It wasn't just this sort of, Later on, one-year deal like they give to Haha Clinton Dix and you know some of these other veterans that they brought in. You know, they gave they gave Patterson two years and more money, I think, than any team has given him up to this point in his career. I think the Raiders had him for a year at a similar salary rate, but the Patriots certainly didn't pay him nearly this much last offseason. So I think the Bears are paying Cordero Patterson because they have big plans for Cordero Patterson. Obviously, you get the special teams ability, and he's going to instantly give the Bears arguably the best kickoff returner left in the NFL right now, and someone who can maybe do some stuff with Tariq Cohen on some punt returns as far as competition there. But certainly your kickoff return game gets an automatic huge upgrade. You can already check that box. But the things that Matt Nagy can do with him offensively at running back, at wide receiver, putting him in motion as many plays as possible, and just finding all the different ways to get the ball in his hands in space. And I, I think about sort of what we dreamed for Devin Hester in the Bears offense you know, long ago of just give him the ball in space and let him work after the catch to almost simulate those special teams return opportunities. 
You know, this isn't Mike Tice or Mike Martz or Ron Turner getting the ball to Cordero Patterson. It is Matt Nagy, and I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. And I, I have to assume with that investment in the free agent that they've got big plans for Cordero. And I think you can look no further than how Matt Nagy and the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill as an example of what their plan for Cordero Patterson may end up being. I think they initially took a swing at Taylor Gabriel being that kind of guy. And while Taylor Gabriel was productive and effective in, in, you know, in spurts last year at certain points in the season, he wasn't consistently dynamic enough to suggest that he'll ever be anything more, in my opinion, than at best a second option in the passing game, maybe a third or even fourth as we progress through the season. And you have a lot of this young talent like Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley, and now this curveball in Cordaro Patterson. I think you're going to see that Tyreek Hill role for him. Tyreek Hill did everything for the Chiefs as a receiver, taking handoffs, uh, returning kicks. Cordaro Patterson isn't nearly as maybe explosive as Hill, but he does have field flipping ability, probably even more so than Taylor Gabriel because he's a bigger guy. He could break tackles. And if he gets past that second level, and now you're ch- he's challenging that third-level defender. He'll be able to break those tackles or even run right by those guys. So I think Cordaro Patterson is going to be really interesting because I don't think there's any middle ground for him. I don't know if Cordaro Patterson is going to have what we would call a decent year. He's either going to be used to the point where he is a star all of a sudden at this point in his career in 2019 with how the Bears use him, or he's just going to be a guy that is like a rotational player and – when we look back at the three agents that were signed this offseason, we're going to be a little underwhelmed and disappointed by what he's doing. Um, I, I would err on the side of trusting Matt Nagy, like you said, Lauren, and, and assuming that Cordaro Patterson is going to have that package of plays that really, uh, that really takes advantage of what he does well. And if that's the case, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we would call him. I think he's just the classic offensive weapon at this point. But if we see what Tyreek Hill did in Kansas City, maybe a poor man's version of that is what we can expect from Cordaro Patterson. And sticking at wide receiver, I want to take our last category here, which is the prove it year. Um, You know, it it may be fun to say Mitch Trubisky is a prove it year, but I don't know if that's fair. I think it's still, believe it or not, a little too early in Mitchell Trubisky's career to say this is a make-or-break season for him. I think we are expecting development, and I think he does have to establish himself in terms of, yes, I'm the franchise guy, but I don't know if this is the all-in, make-or-break, prove-it season for him. But I do think one of the guys he's throwing to, Allen Robinson, is in a prove-it year. He has to establish himself as the alpha in this passing game in 2019. He's being paid like one of the best playmakers at wide receiver in 2019. He was brought to this to this club in free agency with the expectation that he could be a 1,300-yard, double-digit touchdown guy. 2018 was obviously a free pass for him because no player coming off an ACL injury just less than a year before he was signed can come in with the expectations of of being a dominant pro bowler. But what we saw in the wild-card loss to the Eagles, 10 catches, 143 yards, uh, and a touchdown. I don't know. Maybe he might have scored two. Um, that is, I think, what the Bears are expecting now on a consistent basis, not necessarily 10 for 143, but a guy who could push 1,300 yards or more, even if Matt Nagy's offense doesn't necessarily produce those kinds of stats for any one particular receiver. It's not necessarily a culmination of stats, the cumulative stats that he has to produce, but he has to show that what he did in that wild card game is who he is for a full season. If he doesn't do that in 2019, I don't think he's, I think he's gone. I don't think he'll be around. I don't know. You might know more about his contract. I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if the Bears have an out after this year. I know it was a three-year they do. deal. But yeah, so this is it for him. I mean, he's got to prove it. And I and I don't think it was an accident that Riley Ridley was drafted in the fourth round because look at Riley Ridley's profile as a prospect coming into the league. And then take a look back at what Allen Robinson's profile was in terms of speed, what they do well, contested catches down the field, not really separation guys but guys that will win the 50-50 balls, they'll make those 100%, right? Like like Riley Ridley says, I catch 100% of the 50-50 passes. That's really what Allen Robinson has done well. Allen Robinson has made a living off of those acrobatic, contested catch situations where even when he looks like he's covered, he makes some 
acrobatic miraculous grabs that he can then turn after the catch into those big gains. Riley Ridley profiles as a similar kind of player. And if Allen Robinson doesn't prove that he's anything more than he was last year, you probably could get similar production between a, between a Javon Wims and Riley Ridley as you would get from the 2018 Allen Robinson. So this is a big year for him to prove that he is the franchise's answer at that position and that he can be that number one for Mitchell Trubisky as they grow together in Chicago's offense. So for me, I'm pushing all my chips in, prove it years, Allen Robinson. If he doesn't have a big year, I think we could say goodbye. Well, both Robinson and Gabriel, I think, are in that same situation there. We both have a, a pretty easy out after their contract this year. The Bears obviously adding young players at wide receiver back-to-back years in the draft and some strong undrafted rookie free agents as well and late-round picks. So uh, definitely some some things need to be proven at wide receiver. And and honestly, the conversation continues at tight end. And I, you know, I orig- was originally going to say Adam Shaheen, and I, I think he's still in this conversation, but I, I'm almost ready to put Trey Burton in there as well. Another guy with a contract that's easy to get out of last year and didn't necessarily have – as much production in 2018 as you would have wanted to see from a guy that they invested to sort of be that, you know, that Travis Kelsey role, even though, you know, you can't expect Travis Kelsey production, you know, you didn't need a thousand yards from Trey Burton, but perhaps more than 569 yards would have been more among the expectations for him. So I think he and Adam Shaheen both need to prove a lot this year. You know, Burton needs to prove that he can be a more dynamic threat, not really making a lot of plays after the catch last year. And when I kind of look back at his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, wasn't really so much of a play after the catch type of guy. He really, his production in Chicago this year versus Philadelphia the previous years, it was about the same efficiency. He just caught more passes, but averaged about the same yards per catch and you know yards after catch as well. So it was just sort of the same guy with more times of the ball thrown at him. So he, he hasn't shown that that improvement necessarily in the bigger role. And then Adam Shaheen's probably the more obvious conversation. Obviously, the second round pick from Division Two that has the physical skill set you want to see, but has not shown much of anything as a receiver and continues to make some progress as a blocker, but certainly not living up to the top 50 pick billing that he has. And I think the most telling thing about the tight end position is that uh, this week the Bears brought in their fourth undrafted rookie free agent tight end. They had three veterans on the roster and four undrafted rookie free agents. I think they're sending a message to Burton and Shaheen and even Ben Broniker that, hey, you know, we use a lot of tight ends in our offense and we're getting some fresh blood in there and we want to see what we've got here. Not that Burton or Shaheen is going to get cut during training camp, but at least kind of keeping their options open for the future and, and maybe being able to find a gem here that slipped through the cracks. And I think that's a fair point, Lauren. I think, you know, when you look at the Trey Burton situation and we talk about Allen Robinson, you mentioned Taylor Gabriel. It's crazy that you could think that one year removed from what looked like a Grand Slam free agency class by Ryan Pace. Three names that he signed, the three big ticket items that he signed last year. Now we're suddenly saying they're improve it years. Now, is that a product of the players underperforming in their first season? Is it a product of the uh, the offense just going through its natural, uh, you know, ev- uh, evolution here with the first season um, under Matt Nagy with Mitchell Trubisky's first season as a quarterback, just trying to figure out this offense. So of course, naturally the pass catchers, their stats or personal production is going to struggle as a result of that learning curve. Is it Mitchell Trubisky? That is the guy that you could say is the common link between Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson and Trey Burton all being in prove it years, or is it a miscalculation, a, a misfire by Ryan Pace and free agency, adding three guys who on paper seemed like good signings and seemed like good additions to this team, but when it got to the fit in the offense and just the production on the field, they've left a little bit to be desired. I don't know necessarily if there is a right answer at this point. I think what the way we've kind of evaluated this and have, have assessed this, this prove-it theory is, you know, this passing game has to kind of prove it in 2019. It was productive and it was a breath of fresh air for Bears fans last year because of its creativity, its playmaking ability, some big plays at times, but was it really elite? Was it really, I mean, we know it wasn't, right? But what I'm saying is, does it even have elite upside? Are the are the pieces in place 
for this passing attack to become elite. And I think that's the expectation for any championship team in the NFL. Anyone, any team that wants to contend for a Super Bowl has to have the kind of offensive firepower to hang with the Patriots and the Chiefs, the Rams, the teams that are going to be in the conversation come January for another Super Bowl run. In order to compete with those teams, obviously you need a defense that can shut them down, and we know the Bears have that in place. But when you have an Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, <coughs> excuse me, Trey Burton, and maybe even to a degree Mitchell Trubisky entering critical seasons in 2019, it's just an interesting, uh, uh, you know, an interesting look at how Ryan Pace's decisions all have to essentially prove it in 2019. Well, and Lauren, I think to one some thing extent, that, th- those prove it's are all intentional, right? When you when you look at the structures of those contracts, there's a reason Ryan Pace structured them the way they did so they would all kind of happen to have these guaranteed money outs after the you know the two years each. I mean, Burton had a four-year deal, uh Robinson's was a three-year deal and I believe um Taylor Gabriel's was also a three-year deal, but they all had the guaranteed kind of structured a similar way so that, you know, you get two years in the offense before you have to decide whether you want to keep them or not. So, you know, it's not that these players have all been disappointments necessarily after one season. And it, it, I think when we talk about them needing to prove things, it, it it almost sounds more negative than than we mean necessarily. But it's just that, you know what? Yeah, but Lauren, I mean, it is negative. It is. I mean, Allen Robinson didn't have a great year last year. Fine. Trey Burton didn't. Trey, Trey Burton was not a Pro Bowl tight end. Taylor Gabriel was, you know, 680, 700-yard guy. I mean, you could say they were fine. And are they fine based on the expectations Bears fans have cre- have just have that have crystallized in the minds of Bears fans because we're so used to the John Fox and Dowell Loggins era, the Mark Tressman era before that, even to an extent the Lovey Smith era. This is not a team or a fan base that's used to having those explosive offensive weapons outside of the the one or two anomaly seasons of the Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Matt Forte trio. We really haven't had the kind of consistent offensive uh, firepower to generate or create expectations that are of that Pro Bowl high level. Uh, you know, look at the Rams, for example. I mean, Brandon Cooks came in in year one and he had a great year. Robert Woods was signed as a free agent, uh, what, two seasons ago, and he had a great year. You know, uh, Jared Goff has just become a legitimate top eight or nine quarterback in the league. So is if Matt Nagy is really going to be the that invo young offensive mind and these offensive pieces are really going to become the type of weapons that can challenge for a Super Bowl, they have to do better than they did last year. And it's not because, you know, and, and here's the other thing, Lauren, if a general manager is structuring contracts with the expectation that, hey, maybe this won't work out after a year or two, well, those are probably contracts you should think twice about giving or the player you should be thinking twice about evaluating or assessing that talent to the point where you're you're going to give them big money. I mean, Taylor Gabriel is getting paid a lot of money considering his career resume. Trey Burton's getting paid a hell of a lot of money considering his career resume. Allen Robinson's getting paid a ton of money even considering his resume. Take a closer look at Allen Robinson's career, Lauren. Even before he got hurt, he had one big season. That's it. One. He did not have a great year the year before he got hurt. I don't even think he hit 1,000 yards. So you do have questions about the players specifically and whether or not they're going to elevate their level of play to the point where this offense can take advantage of the the acumen or, or uh, if you want to say, brilliance of Matt Nagy are the pieces there that would fall on Ryan Pace? I'm not saying. Before I get a lot of hate mail and and Twitter fire at me here, I'm not saying that they're not going to do it. But prove it years are prove it years for a reason. It's because the player hasn't lived up to expectations, right? And yes, for a rookie or a young quarterback, a prove it year after one season is not reasonable. But Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton, the guys we're talking about, they're veterans. They have essentially careers before Chicago. So are they going to be something they never have been? I mean, Allen Robinson had that big season, but is he more 980 yards, nine touchdowns, Allen Robinson? 
as opposed to 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Taylor Gabriel was a 500-yard receiver at best between Cleveland and Atlanta before he came to Chicago, and Trey Burton was a backup. I mean, is that what they are? If Trey Burton was a Travis Kelsey player, he would have found himself on the field as much, if not more, than Zach Ertz. I know that sounds crazy, but are we really expecting Travis Kelsey-type production if he was never able to even become a starter on his own team? Is Allen Robinson, does he have enough of a history of production to assume he's going to be a 1,200-yard receiver just because he's healthy? Is Taylor Gabriel, just because he's fast, going to be Tyreek Hill? Or were these just you know, transactions that ultimately were swings for the fences again. I don't know, but that's why, again, Lauren, it's that prove-it philosophy, Yeah, and and a ton of that's going to come back to Mitchell Trubisky and what the Bears are able to get out of the quarterback position, which ties into, again, how the offensive line is going to do and how the running game is going to do and how the defense is going to do, and and that's why football is 22 players on the field. And you know what, Lauren, we talk about prove-it. I got to say, man, you proved it once again. You are the goods. You brought your A game. Chicago Shuffle, all its listeners are fortunate to have you here as a guest. I told you guys last time that Lauren's going to be a regular guest on this show. Uh, there may be some nights where Lauren's not available and you'll hear my lovely voice riding solo or I'll bring in other guests from around the football universe. But the conversation with Lauren about the Bears, for me, it's just as good as it gets. It's, it's like a nice home-cooked meal every time I talk Bears with Lauren. It's just comfortable and it soothes the soul. And I hope to soothe your souls out there and your boring drive to work, your awful commute home from work. We all deal with that every single day. And Chicago Shuffle hopefully is here to take some of that misery away, especially as we go through the next two and a half months or two months or whatever it is now before we actually get some real football training camp, um, Bears football back in the headlines. But it doesn't mean we're going anywhere. We're going to be here every week finding things to talk about with this team, keeping you entertained about the Chicago Bears. Make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. Make sure you're following Lauren on Twitter at Cox Sports One. Check out all his work at Bears Wire and NBC Sports Chicago. Check out all my work over at Bears Wire. Most importantly, come on back to Chicago Shuffle. We'll be back next week with another episode. And hey, you never know. Lauren might be back again. If you want Lauren back, if you want Lauren to be a regular here, let me know in the iTunes reviews. Let me know on Twitter. Give me, a, give me your feedback on everything we're doing here so we can keep raising the bar on what I hope will become your favorite Chicago Bears podcast, The Chicago Shuffle. builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America and the more you do with 5G the more building it right matters the more your network matters the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters it's us pushing us it's Verizon versus Verizon 5G built right from America's most reliable network most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 US report of three mobile networks results may vary award is not an endorsement